I'm Jen Blandos and welcome to Women Who Rise by Female Fusion. This is where we help all female entrepreneurs start, build, grow and scale their businesses. I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years and lived and worked around the world. I've had my businesses in London, Brussels, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. I share my expertise as a global entrepreneur and bring to you the world's best experts and female entrepreneurs who are going to inspire and uplift you to build the business of your dreams. Let's get started. Hello, I am super excited about today's guest. And this is a woman who I've been trying to pin down for a while. We met last year at an entrepreneurship conference and I so enjoyed talking to her and hearing her insights around investing in businesses that I wanted to bring her to our podcast and share her insights with the world. So today I'm so pleased to welcome Olga Fleming, who is an angel investor, and welcome to the podcast, Olga. Thank you so much for having me here, and I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry for not being here in Dubai for so much time, but yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation back then too. So I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. Well, you know, it's okay. I'm, you know, being in Dubai, and the reason why I wanted to talk to you as well is that you are international. You spend your time between Europe and the Middle East. And I was like, so many of our listeners are around the world. So I thought this is great to get your international perspective as well as regional perspective. Well, yeah, I, I would say I'm more of a person between Middle East and Europe. So it's international, but it's still limited. So please do not take my advice for all the regions. <laughs> <laughs> Though I've been working and talking to startups uh, coming from different regions. But I believe if we speak about like fundraising part, it more applies for like two those two regions. And it may be a little bit different, let's say, U.S., which is the most mature market and so on. Absolutely. But, you know, I think before we started recording, we were having a conversation about about um, businesses getting investment. And I think that there are a lot of principles that are the same no matter where you are in the world that a business needs to be at a certain stage to be able to get investment. But before we jump into that, because I have a gazillion questions, I think it would be great maybe if you could just tell everybody a bit about your background, what you do, the kind of businesses that you invest in, and then we'll jump in. So I've been into law for pretty much most of my business career, let's call it this way, my life. Uh, then I decided it got a little bit boring, so I moved to investment into startups and into PPPs and all those more complex projects. So it was a very exciting journey, I should say, very interesting, very different. Uh, I've met a lot of wonderful people. Even though some of them I didn't obviously invest in because of it was it was a little bit too late or it was a little bit too early, but we still maintain very good relationships. And uh, to be very honest, I think that looking at those you know sparkling eyes of those startups, having those great ideas when you're already in business for many years, it, that makes a difference. You realize why you are there, why you are doing this, why it's worth still doing businesses. And uh, yeah, I think it's very, uh, those very eyes, passionate eyes about business that make me still do what I do. Isn't that amazing? Just hearing you say that, because that's what I love so much as well and love so much about Female Fusion is just 
to to see all of the ideas that people have about creating a business and the things that they can create is just incredible and the excitement that people have about that idea absolutely right? <laughs> absolutely like they the, the way they speak about the project it's sometimes it's for good maybe for bad uh, as as if it was their first baby you know so much excitement so <laughs> i will tell you maybe later why it sometimes get into on the bad side but in yeah. most cases being passionate is very good is very good it's just not not being overly protective yeah Okay, I think that's the case. And you, so you're an angel investor, correct? And I want to make sure that everybody who's listening maybe understands what an angel investor is and does. Do you want to? Sure, sure. Uh, so basically, angel investor is an investor who typically invests in very early stages of startups, and the further you go, the higher amounts are to invest in. Uh, the less you will see investors, you will see more VCs, venture capital investors, you will see more institutional investors, depending on the stage, basically. And angel investors, what makes them different, they also do a little bit bigger piece of advice to the startup. So typically, you don't go just for any angel investor, uh, whoever you find, you know, on LinkedIn or anything. Those people should have the niche industry knowledge or contacts or some other things you may utilize for your business. So angel investors are not typically there only for money. I would say it's like part, big part of it is, is advisory you take from them. So uh, another piece of advice is just don't go for any angel investor who you think is very powerful, is very smart, but doesn't fit your working style or something. It doesn't fit, you know, idea what you are trying to do or your pace because you will always have those clashes and it's not something you want for your business. Because it's like a relationship, isn't Obviously, it? Yes, it's much more deep relationship they with, than we think, right? And that's also how we choose startups as well because we will not invest in something who not something we do not see feasible, but also we will not invest in someone who will not listen to our advice and will not execute. So you want to, to make sure that that startup is going to have founders that are willing to listen to advice that are going to be easy to work with. and Absolutely. I guess also as well, themselves looking for the right partner, the right investor to, to be in their business, right? Definitely. I what I've seen, unfortunately, a lot, and that's we had uh, we had part of our discussion was about how people can contact me, and I basically allow them to contact me on LinkedIn primarily for the reason because uh, if you have this form, even if you specify that I'm investing in so and so projects, my expertise is so and so, still you will find a lot of startups who do not fit the requirements, meaning. They are coming from a totally different niche. Uh, they are looking for much later stages investment. And even though I do some fundraising and I help some startups to raise funds, but it's a very different discussion. So when startups do not care who they're speaking with, uh, who they're speaking to, they just copy paste, you know, the message. They do not do their due diligence. It's a really, really irritating because, yeah. you know, we receive a lot of messages and if they do a little bit of their work and they just more specific about what they want and they will find out that there are a lot of VCs who didn't reply to them or a lot of angels who didn't reply to them just because they were maybe a very good startup, but not something 
initially interesting to the investor. So they chose the wrong investor. Exactly. Basically. And then you, you hear those stories. Oh, I've sent like 200 or 300 emails and it didn't work out. Yeah, there is a reason why it didn't work yeah. out because it was, n- was not personalized. It was really uh, like copy and paste and we sense it. Mm-hmm. It's, there is nothing worse than doing this. And there are a lot of stories in the market where you will see like the personalized message, even video message or something like that, where people understand who they're speaking to makes a huge difference. Yeah. Now, you uh, you mentioned that for, for people that you like it that they reach out to you on LinkedIn, but you specialize in a specific niche yeah, as well, right? Definitely. So for you, what, what kind of businesses are you investing in? Well, it's primarily tech related. It would be fintech, prop tech, aviation tech, and travel tech. So those are the industries I'm trying to circle around, even though I'm not limiting myself. So if it's tech, but some kind of interesting deep tech or something or blockchain, which I'm not really an expert in, but I'm trying to get better in this because <laughs> it also takes time and understanding Understanding as you know, as a lawyer, I, would, I really like to understand something I'm investing in. So it's really hard for me to do just emotional stuff. I think non-investor does, but for me, it's exceptionally hard because I'm also with this, you know, legal and compliance background, which makes it even harder for me. Yeah. But then if you... Um so I, I want people to understand what this whole process looks like because I often have people come to me and say, hey, you know, Jen, can you introduce me to an investor? I want investment in my business. And what what I find a lot of times is they haven't clearly thought out what that whole process looks like and what having an investor means. I think sometimes yeah. people think that it's free money, that someone's going to go, here's $100,000. <laughs> We think your business is great. Go for it. And it's not like that, right? Um, so let oh, Okay, so let, let's look at the very beginning. So if somebody's looking for investment and they come to you, what are things, wh- what are things that light you up, that interest you if you see that they've approached you that makes you take an interest in taking it well, further? First of all is obviously idea because we don't know through the deck uh who what's actually what are actuals whether they have a company set up whether the company is properly set uh, who is behind the business how many investors they already have those information typically are not in the deck unless they have already raised some proper amount uh it's most of the times it's people who invest who we invest in in very early stage investing process because even if the idea is great, when you try to utilize it or make some, I don't know, do do some prototype or make some partnership, uh, partner with some government agencies or somebody else, you will see that you need to adapt the project to the market needs, which happens most of the time. And you can even see those biggest names, uh, even Uber, the business model and the deck, the initial deck was very different from what we see now on the market, mm. right? And hence, uh, we see different people also, uh, different, let's say, mentality or preparations or understanding. Uh, from the investor's point of view, uh, at least it's very important for me, but I've, I believe it's also very important for other investors, at least I spoke to, that uh, people are actually ready to adapt and 
they are very ready to contribute to the project because there may be a very talented person but he has several things to do and he doesn't prioritize startup as much as we want them to meaning at certain point of time we realize that if something goes wrong he will be like oh yeah i'll probably go back to my phd or something and just skip it and we've al- already invested our money in and typically it's not only one angel investor that enters it's typically syndicate for those who don't know what syndicates basically several investors joining together because mm-hmm. uh, the typical very typical amount uh, angel investors invest in pre-seed is like 25 between 25 to fifty thousand dollars and obviously this may not be enough for certain movements and certain developments of the company to the extent where we can raise another round so it goes with the syndicate where we have five to ten investors and the amount is up to half a million dollars, right? Okay. So uh, with this money, they basically can achieve some decent results, hire a team and, you know, develop things. But also uh, what, what we look at is bootstrapping how much they've put into project before because most of the startups, they come, oh, we just want money. But yeah, but what did you do? I was like, yeah, but I need money to do anything. And that is totally not true. Approaching companies and getting cert- certain like agencies, government agencies, hubs, uh, whatever, whatever companies to work with, participate in different kinds of, I don't know, cohorts or uh, participating in uh, different government programs to get subsidized. In most cases, you realize they did nothing out of it. And you're like, mm-hmm then why do you think you will be successful then if you didn't yeah. even try that? And I guess you you really want to have people, founders that are going to be all in and super committed. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And also you, you are very right in saying founders all the time because typically the red flag is a one-man show, right? Even if it's a very talented person, life is life. Anything can happen of to course. this person. We are not against certain someone. We are just mitigating our risks. And if somebody tells us, oh, I'm alone at the moment. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't look for any other founders or I didn't hire a team. And you're like, yeah, but in case... In case anything happens, yeah. the project is blocked. So that's something for me. It's definitely a red flag, and I try to, you know, to make sure they understand what is the red flag. If I tell them, no, mm-hmm. I cannot do that at the moment. But if you find certain someone you're going to work with, uh, then we're going to look into the project. Some startups do understand. Some startups still think they're smarter. So whatever, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then they're maybe not the ones that get your investment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so so when somebody gets investment, um, there are strings attached. Obviously, it's not free money. It's not something that you get $100,000 and go, great, I get to increase my salary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what what does that look like? That typically you would take equity within the business, but then you would also be take an active role within the business. Yes, with angels angels or angel investors, uh, it's, as I mentioned, very different from the corporates where they do give a lot of advice. And, of course, they get an equity. Uh, They also are very good for startups to utilize their names, right? Because if they tell bigger 
ventures or even like smaller ventures but still corporates that there are certain credible investors with very good reputations already in the project because it's a very small world yeah. they will be also more willing to look into the you know the project itself and you, oh, you typically you have somebody leading the round which is more experienced in the uh, in the industry what I would probably give as a piece of advice here is that you should not give away too much equity in the beginning because it will be complicated for you to raise further rounds and so what wh- when somebody gets investment in the beginnings so the the pre-seed angel investing mm-hmm. what amount of equity do founders typically give away is there an industry standard on that or does it depend it depends on the amount but i believe that it's up to 15% maximum if you give away more during the first round it could be very challenging for you on the f- in the future rounds it doesn't give you much to play with right if exactly. you give away half of your business you can imagine that if we want to grow we probably will need three or four rounds more yeah. until we get into ipo maybe just exit in a different way exit meaning you will probably sell your business or go for IPO or something else where okay. you will leave your business, right? Or maybe just keep some shares just ver- not with not very active role. Maybe somebody will merge with you. Maybe somebody will acquire you. There mm-hmm. are like very many options where you can target. And there are also different kinds of investors asking for the exit strategy. So it's better to keep it off the deck, but at least to have it in mind if somebody asks you, you will not get lost. So what were you thinking of? Where are you going? What is the direction? What are the next markets you are going to? And so on. Because typically like Series C is already for different markets. So you are already developed in your specific market. You have a great product. Everything everything's working. You're just raising funds to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there you will find also like new customers. So uh, I believe, you know, that equity is, giving away equity, equity is very important, but not too much of an equity. And also having your company ready to give away equity because you and I both know that uh, not every company is ready to give away shares. So we have different types of, in Europe, sole traders and so on, which are definitely, you know, go for any startup, any shares. Sometimes LLC in different countries also mm, are not suitable for this one. And it should be converted to like joint, more of a joint stock company. And here we have quite a few free zones that do not even allow you to do that. And investors will not invest in this free zone. Right. So okay. um, this is pretty much uh, what we can see within the industry, within the markets. And also here in Dubai or UAE in general, uh, I believe that depending on the investors and the region of the investors you are targeting, you should also keep them that in mind when setting up an entity. Oh, you know, that's I'm really glad you mentioned that actually. And it's not not only in the UAE, but I also think as well in other countries that sometimes people when they're setting up a business go for the cheapest possible incorporation without thinking about what the vision is for the business and where they want to go. And then that becomes quite messy because then you have to undo all of that and restructure your business all over again. Exactly. And it's probably in Europe, if it's within one country, it's going to be a little bit easier because you still have those procedures which 
take obviously a lot of time, much more time than uh, setting up an entity to convert yeah. even sole trader into something more decent, and then the next step another even more decent. So you basically have to take several steps, which may take several years. Yeah, which will just block you, or you just have to move your assets from the sole trader to to uh, join stock and find another way to make it faster. But here in UAE, you have also a problem in moving entities between the uh, um, different free zones or mainland. You basically have to set up a new company. Exactly. Yeah. So it's another challenge because within Europe, let's call it this way, most of the countries you will be free to change that address within the cities, like, you know, within one country or even yeah. move it between like EU member states. Yes. It's yeah. there is also procedure for that and it's simplified. Sorry for li- being a little bit lawyerish, but there is. But it takes time obviously. But here you cannot technically do that. No, it's basically <laughs> setting up yeah. a new company. And this is one thing I warn people about because you see people they go for cheap. Um or, you know, even in Europe as well, that will set up their business as a sole trader or something like that. And you can't you can't scale that. So if you want to scale your business, it needs to be set up properly and you need to take that advice as well. Absolutely. And to some extent, you can even have some preliminary conversations with investors which will release certain amount to set up a proper structure. So it's doable even if you don't have funds for that. But you should keep that in mind still. And talking to investors, you're just telling them, okay, this is the idea. And when raising funds, we need it first for so, so, and so. And also, obviously, to one thing to be to keep in mind is that you do not have the full amount released. Typically, you have certain KPIs you have to reach to where the next stage or next amount is gonna be released. Because we definitely, as investors, we don't want to see something messy going on. And, of course. You know, just especially within the with those um, um, blockchain startup and so on where they care a lot about uh, like issuing a coin but what happens after often gets neglected I'm not saying all projects are like that but there are a lot of projects like that in the market so so you need to protect your investment as well exactly I want to delve a bit more so I hear female entrepreneurs within female fusion when we have these conversations sometimes people uh, and uh, probably not even just female entrepreneurs entrepreneurs in general struggle sometimes with the idea of one releasing equity in their business and two knowing that they'll have somebody else in their business who will be providing advice and some businesses feel very reluctant about that and I'd love to just hear your take on that um, yeah, I, I'd like to know that, and then I want to talk a bit more about reinvesting in our businesses. So, uh, besides the key sectors of my activity, I also work with some government agencies. So, we and we do this different kinds of workshops for uh, startups. So, during those workshops, you typically have two types of startups. One group of startups is immediately trying to see how they can implement the knowledge you share. 
including advice on getting some very niche advisor on so-and-so, because you can tell what is lacking when they tell you about their project. And there is a group of startups which refuses to do so, and they think they are the smartest. And it will take them probably another few years to understand that. And this is definitely not the group of startups that will take my uh, advice and interest in investing. So basically, mm. I would avoid those startups. I'm not saying there are no successful startups like that. I'm just saying they're, they are less successful. And statistics say <laughs> that uh, typically those startups just... Uh, take more time to develop, which means losing money for investors for a certain time because they still come to an idea uh, or to the solution they could have found probably within half a year. It takes them more time because they're trying to do it on their own. And if somebody really thinks that uh, giving, giving away some small amount of equity is not worth it, uh, whereas you don't even have to pay cash. So somebody puts a lot of trust in your project, right? And they, actually they don't even have any other uh, solution. I mean, they could have charged you or they put trust in your project and they are with you for a few years and they share their knowledge and they may get financial result, but they may not if you don't listen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so instead of because sometimes as well, I know that that that's a big obstacle to growth is that you can't yeah. afford the high level people that you need to really take your business to the next level. So instead of you giving the salary that that person says, OK, you know what, I will you know, come into this business, I will play this role in exchange for a certain amount of equity. Absolutely. S some businesses are really scared of that, aren't they? They are. But at the same time, uh, I mean, there, there are businesses who would love to take it, but they don't know where to look for those advisors. And yeah. I would rather advise them to just find those right people and speak to more of advisors they want on board and just to find this one who will take equity and will put more trust in their project uh, to do so. Uh, more trust than others. But on the other hand, those who are reluctant to give away equity, well, we can do nothing about it. I mean, honestly, it's their choice and they will come probably to the same solution in a few years, but it may be too late because startup market is real quick and there are probably few companies already developing similar, at least similar product in other countries. So within three years, they may be already developed in another region and they will be coming to your region as well as a developed entity. Yeah. So uh, I believe the startup world, especially IT sector, is uh, very much about being fast and yeah. furious yeah. <laughs> about what you do. Because <laughs> like, you cannot wait. It's super dynamic market, very dynamic market, where you, if you are not the first, and if you're not getting any better, uh, and which may be equal chances from the beginning, two startups starting with a pretty much similar idea, and one getting fundraised, second not, because they are trying to do, they are not sharing their idea because it's NDA and all these things. Those people don't want to sign their NDA, and that's why they don't share it. Most of the investors don't mind signing NDA, of but course. you know, it's it's not an issue. You just have to tell them you should sign, and that's it. And also, investors, if they really wanted to do all those businesses they received decks for, they wouldn't be even able to. Like, it's not their business. We are passive. We don't want to do this business. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, well, basically you will see one startup developing really fast and the other one probably out of the market in a few years. Well, and that that's one of the things as well. Statistically, um, I think it's one of the top five reasons that businesses fail is that they don't ask for help and they don't get the support. Exactly. Yeah. Or there is also one very important uh, failure stage where they do not start fundraising also early enough after the first stage of fundraising. So typically it's like constant process for startup. They fundraise now and they already start looking for the next round. You cannot be in this death valley of startups where they lack of funds. Yeah. They cannot simply. And this is what happens a lot. So, uh, so they don't, they're not looking for the next round of yeah, fundraising. They, they, they are, but they are like, they always still have time, you know. And then they run out of funds, and that's the problem because they have a team, they have to support it, and so on and so forth. So, and when you get involved at the pre-seed stage, do you do you help them with that, or do you introduce them to maybe VCs at a higher level? We that, do have, yeah. of course. It's like I mentioned, as I mentioned, it's very small world. So we typically try to introduce some VCs, but startups have to do very intense work on this as well because it doesn't mean. The people we introduce to them, we invest in them, even though we do have some credibility level, of course, and they are looking into direction, but there are also certain pools of money they can uh, deploy, for instance, for venture capitals, they raise funds from their investors, and they have typically one or two years to deploy funds, and then they raise another fund. So we may just not fit in, you know, in is somewhere in between they don't may not have funds at the moment to invest in us even though they'd love to mm. so they may be looking uh to invest in us if it was the proper right oh sorry it's the right time right yeah but they don't because they don't have funds at the moment and that's th that's also important too that for any sort of startup or entrepreneur looking for funding is that you constantly need to be networking right oh that is for sure you need to and th this is one thing um, that they say that why women aren't getting access to the same amount of funding is that they're not doing the right networking and meeting people in the same ways. Absolutely. And that happens a lot also with tech people because they are often very introverted. And that's where they should find another founder or hire somebody. But typically... Uh, more motivated people are like founders or you know somebody who have equity because they care about the company they will not get any money out of it if it's not gonna happen yeah so hiring somebody for networking to be in PR manager <laughs> it's just yeah it's just you know the cash deal and that's that's it's nice but not as nice not as nice results and there should be always somebody networking and there should be always somebody on the business side yeah and that's why one of the reasons one where a man, one man show is not going to work because there is somebody talented and there is uh, with with the IT sector where they will be able to control this part and there is somebody talented in a way to bring those people into your business and both aspects are equally important mm. and so definitely they're going to need to have more people on their team so even if there is just one founder that you need to have that team supporting of course, you as well yeah of course um you mentioned to me that you don't have many women contact you and approach you. And yeah. I find that really interesting um, that that doesn't happen. And I, I'm, I, I just love to, to understand this because 
women are not getting access to the same amount of funding, but I don't believe that we should be sitting around complaining about it, saying it's not fair. We need to look at why and how we can create more opportunities. Do you have any sense why you think women don't approach you for investment? I think it's not only about me, but also about other institutions as well, because I've had a talk with a few hubs, and they also do not receive as many female founder projects as they receive male-founded projects. So uh, I don't know, to be very honest, like exactly, I wouldn't be able to tell you for sure, but in my sincere opinion, it's just how they perceive uh, different investors, they probably find hard, hard to talk to me. I don't know, because um, I've been in a very male-dominated industry from the beginning, so for me it's not an option not to, you know, not to speak to somebody if I have something in mind and I have project in my mind yeah. that I want to accomplish or some idea I want to be, you know, done. So pretty often I was the only female in the room like 10 15 persons for negotiations I'm the only female so for me it's very normal and like I feel very very normal about it but what I feel happens at least what I've heard from other female founders is that they approach first not angel investors but VCs VCs are very you know straightforward and they are very and they have very different mindset, I should say. They are not so, you know, flexible. They are very corporate, and they have their own style of negotiations. And that's probably where they get scared, and they just move away, and they try to find those typically female uh, circles where they can yeah. find investors and so on, which is not right, in my opinion, because there are VCs who also specialize in investing in uh, female found or projects or let's say like at least one of the founders is female or something like that but also maybe speaking to angel investors will help because those people are more flexible they are not as harsh they are like they you do not arrive to the table of 15 guys or 15 email like even even if half of those are female you're still intimidated because you're it's probably one of the first meetings and you already have five to ten people at the table you know what i mean (laughs) so uh Sometimes it's just um, probably intimidating. I think that's that that's the issue. And mm-hmm. they like they arrive to such meeting and then they're like, no, I, I don't want to deal, deal with that anymore because VCs are very straightforward. They ask you questions, sometimes not very comfortable questions, and uh, they look how far you will get with your project as well. Because for them, it's also risk mitigation. How stress resilient are you? Yeah. And that's, I, I guess, as well, it's just getting more comfortable with those environments. And I'm a big advocate, although even we have female fusion and we're supporting women in business, that it's important to talk to the men and you know build the Absolutely. networks with guys. But then also have men be really big champions as well and look at how they can support women more in business because the, the way that we do business is even slightly different. And... Absolutely. You know, I I find sometimes, too, that as women, we often downplay our successes. (laughs) Yes, that's very true. I I don't know what it is that um, we are much more collaborative, and we'll talk about... I did this together with my team where, you know, you'll find guys who'll be like, I changed the world. I did this. I'm responsible for saving my (laughs) business a million dollars. So true. And... uh, 
I guess as well, it's maybe something we need to stand in our power a bit more, right? And go, we're great. We're really good. I've done a great job at that. I absolutely agree with you. And whenever you go out with this feeling of being great, you will find a lot of male entrepreneurs supporting you because they really support different initiatives coming to women, especially here in UAE. Uh, They are really trying to achieve the parity pretty much anywhere. Uh, They are really trying to support those entrepreneurs. But what happens often is uh, getting discouraged and probably not running away, but stopping doing anything towards like, you know, mixed um, circles. including hubs which will can help you a lot like i would advise any startup honestly especially uh those female founders to apply for suitable hub program and to get the support and you will see how those teams operate you will see how actually this world is very friendly you have those networking events everybody's inviting everyone it's like a great circle. You share experience. You share who is good as investor, who is bad as investor. What is your experience? How you can, you know, uh, find some solutions to certain challenges. You also uh, will meet also different startups on the further stages, so they can also guide you. You know, uh, because there are also alumni who come to different meetings where you to the hubs where you can ask your questions. How how have you made it? What I mean, we have this obstacle. Can you give us an advice? And it's about asking. And same with investors. They approach an investor and they hear the answer no. And typically they just run away without asking why. What happened? Is it too early, too late? Uh, Is it not, not the niche? Maybe we should improve somehow. And I believe the biggest problem is that they are not asking. They are not exploring. There is nothing bad about hearing no. You just have to find out why there is like this mindset of telling you no and try to improve it. Maybe you have it, but it's not in the deck. What I find often with IT guys is that they put everything tack in the deck, but they will forget about real, real, like important information for investors and the business stuff. And that happens a lot. Like neglecting those this data and maybe you uh, when you ask why no you will have an answer and they're like yeah but we have it sure please find an updated deck yeah and also it will help you even if it's not the same investor it will help you to improve your deck in a way where in five ten you know no's let's call it this way you will have a perfect deck yeah and i guess it is being okay with failure being okay with rejection absolutely and taking that and learning from it asking those questions just being like okay no but why (laughs) absolutely so to make it better i I also wouldn't call it even you know a a failure i guess it's just a certain process of course which is totally okay you've tried you've tested you've adapted it's part of the process yeah but it would be so boring if we succeeded in everything right you know, yeah, that's, we can't make it better I until... Nobody did. Like, if you look yeah. at the stats, most of the successful startups, it, it was not the first startup they came <laughs> into the market with. Yeah. So typically, it's it's 
third, fourth, or fifth project. And those people never give up. So it's about never giving up. Yeah. And finding the right project. And, you know, I think what also is problematic in Europe specifically, I'm not sure how the situation, legal situation is here with the startups, why they are so afraid of failing. Um, because bankruptcy procedures in Europe are much more complex than in the US and you will have this tag of failure and bankrupt person or company whatever the stage they will drag you into forever and it stays on your record yes and you will be asked when you open up a company bank account exactly also as well in some markets i know for example in the uk that you cannot open another business for a certain number of years if you've had a bankruptcy exactly Exactly. So basically it blocks you for yeah. a certain period of time. And I believe this is where we really need help of our legislative uh, authorities, where they actually can help those startup ecosystems and startup communities to grow. Because mm. it's not only on us, but it comes with, you know, with certain actuals <laughs> yeah. in the market. Whereas in the U.S., you fail, you bankrupt. Next day you open a new new business and you fundraise. There is no problem with that. That's really interesting. Uh, Gosh, we could go down a whole other rabbit hole with that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's been so interesting, like, to to summarize it, I would say, you know, one of the things that... I really take away from this is that you really emphasized that you need to get help and that to not be afraid to to give that equity and to get the right partner in your business to to give you that advice to be able to grow and then also as well to to be able to get out there to network to get to know so many different people so you can find the right people who will invest in you and then to be cool with hearing no and to asking those questions and go, that's okay. You know, no, I'm going to get better and keep getting better and keep getting better until you get that investment. Exactly. I couldn't even summarize it better myself. So. Oh, well, okay. It has been so amazing. Thank you so much. It, it, it seems like it was just destiny that we met last year, and I'm so happy that I was able to, to grab you when you were in Dubai on a business trip. And thank you for sharing your knowledge. And I know that it's going to be so useful for so many entrepreneurs to hear this. Thank you for having me here. It was such a pleasure, and I really hope it will be useful and executed by the startups you know what I mean (laughs) absolutely well I think there's lots of tips to take away and this is a big issue that we're really pushing in female fusion because there are so many women-owned businesses that want funding but I think they just don't even know where to start and my big passion is if we can help with that and the education and make it easier that those numbers are going to come up because seeing those low numbers something doesn't add up so we've got to find the solutions to that to make it easier for everybody absolutely but i believe you are one of those people making those changes absolutely oh thank you again so much olga thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast If you'd like to join our membership, the doors are currently open, but only until the 6th of March. So hurry up and grab your spot. 
If you're a female entrepreneur, this is the best place for you to connect with other business owners and work on starting, building, growing, or scaling your business. You can find out more information on femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash join, or you can find the link in the show notes. See you on the inside.